Good evening. I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. Welcome to Apocalypse Duds. I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, we like to sort of under the hood. Um, we really, uh, we really struggle with the remote recording. It is not, um, it doesn't ever really go according to plan. And it's always in a different way. You know, it's like we discover a new error every time. And a lot of the time, it's not our fault. Yeah, but yeah. Every, like every single one of these platforms has a, a, a hiccup or a bug here and there. A and, significant uh, a significant flaw and we have we have tried a non-significant number uh, or uh insignificant number of these things uh a this, not insignificant number of them yes yes this this is what our fourth or fifth like different recording platform yeah all, i think that this is our fourth one yeah they they all kind and of, of course the common denominator is me and matt right <laughs> so yeah, maybe but... maybe it is us yeah but maybe. maybe it's not us we just wanted to thank you we just wanted to show i guess that i don't know that a lot goes into the show it's a very a fraught process you know we like yeah we like have the guest at their time and it's like oh my god is it gonna work this time so anyway we did record a show just now that went extremely well so i think you will be really really pleased um with what follows Matt yeah we here. uh we talked to sean crowley of crowley vintage um if you are a vintage aficionado um he probably is known to you uh does does what he does very well which is create as we talk about uh stories and uh, vignettes of vintage styles in his shop. And, uh, yeah, it was a really fun conversation. Like dude's got a, dude's got a long history with clothing and we explore a lot of that. So we hope you, uh, we, you enjoy it. Um, kind of what's going on in my world and what I'm paying attention to is, uh, as we've <laughs> talked about many times, uh, the strikes of labor unions in this country and uh, UAW went on strike uh, last week. Um, I'm terrible with dates, but uh, yeah, like working class people are, last week. Yeah, like working class people are standing up and they're like, yo, you're making $200 million a year. I'm making like 35000 Something's fucking wrong. And so, uh, yeah just solidarity to well, crucially they want a raise a raise that is identical to the ceo right exactly right? they want to like, make they want to make exactly what he makes he or less likely she makes percentage wise yes yes like they they want something that keeps up with um the uh profits of their labor and, like, that's not a fucking hard thing to think about. Like, sag has been on strike. Uh, the Rogers Guild has been on strike. Like, these companies are making so much fucking money. 
and not paying the the people that make their content or their product or whatever like any the engines the engines of their profit right the engines of their profit like it the i can't remember who the dumb fuck ceo was that went on cnn it was uh either ford or, or chevy one of the two but uh i was just like yo you're making 200 million dollars a year and these people are asking for like a fraction of a fraction of that and like paid overtime and and all of these things like Go fuck yourself if you think that, like, your uh, productivity is anywhere close to theirs. But we digress. Um, anyway. Well, see, I mean, it has nothing to do even with, like, uh, per, uh, like something to do with them personally. It is provably false. Oh, totally. They totally. don't do as much work. That, they, do, they do not, not even remotely close. And, like... You know the the Hollywood CEOs like, dude, replace them with Chat GBT, and they're fucking gonna do. That's gonna do the same job because they they literally do nothing, uh, and they depend on so well, much. They don't care. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. They're getting they're getting like an exorbitant salary, and when they quit, eventually they're gonna get a golden parachute and fuck these people. Anyway, we uh, yeah. have a good show coming up for you with Sean Crowley. Um, if you like what we do, we would uh, appreciate a donation, maybe. We don't care. But, hey, why not? Uh, Connor's Venmo is Connor-Fowler. His PayPal is ConnorFowler at gmail.com. And, yeah, thank you for listening. Or, like, if you want to donate to some other cause, that's fine. Right. That's That's but, also like, fine. Please do, please do. But if you if you want to, uh, if you like what we do, fucking donate to the to the unions that are on strike right now. Like we don't care. We don't do yeah. this to make money. We yeah. just you know, we just throw it out there just in case. But anyway, thank yeah, you again. just in case, <laughs> just in case. But thank you for listening, and see you soon. Toodaloo. Today, dear listeners, you're in for a treat. We have pinned down our most elusive guest yet, a man whose taste is so refined that even Ralph Lauren looks to him for inspiration. With an eye so keen, it would make a sniper flee and hide. Powers of discernment so vast, they must be experienced to be believed. Ladies, gentlemen, friends, and folks, Here's a man whose connection to fabric goes beyond the ordinary. A man who, with the mere touch of any cloth, can unravel its origin and history. A man who can distinguish Harris from lesser tweeds by scent alone. The one, the only, Sean Crowley of Crowley Vintage. Greetings, Sean. Welcome to the show. Thanks wow. for being here. <laughs> well, that was, that was something. Yeah. Truly, yeah, that, truly. Uh, I, I have to give him thing. credit. That was all Connor. Uh and I pitched a man of the cloth. Uh, I don't know if you're Catholic or not, but that was how I read something <laughs> when he sent it to me at first, and that did not make the cut. But uh, yeah, dude, Amazing. welcome. Thank you, thank you. Love it. Yeah, we we yeah, try to build. To be here. We try to build everyone up to prepare them 
for the letting down that we're going to do in every interview. That that's only partially kidding, but uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you'll be. I think you'll be tickled, Sean. I think you'll yeah. be tickled. That's what yeah. I think. Let's hope. Let's hope. Great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sean. Um, our our usual opening question is: Where are you from? And where do you live now? And if you would like to tell us, uh, how old are you? Uh, say again. Where I'm from? Where am uh, I now? Uh, yeah. Where are you from? Where you live now? Work. Yeah, and, and if you like uh, to to tell us, like, how old are you? Yeah, so I'm I'm from uh, Massachusetts, just north of Boston. Um, I currently live in Brooklyn, New York, and I am 42 years old. Nice, nice. What uh, what neighborhood in Brooklyn are you in? Um, I live in Bed Stuy, but my my shop is in Dumbo. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so look it. Yeah, you You'd definitely did. I, I would not old. have thought forty-two. Uh, yeah, that you've aged well, my friend. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so I have to ask for my edification: Are you a redhead? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know where you got that. <laughs> I I have a kind of a reddish beard, but um, I'm a a dirty blonde, strawberry blonde. Well, so I would say that it's on the spectrum. In the spectrum, even. Um, I mean, maybe ish. Yeah, there's probably some reddish highlights, but uh, but it's well. Uh, I was yeah. just thinking, like for me, my fair complexion and hair kind of affects my dressing. You know, it's like there are certain things that would be inadvisable, I guess. Uh, so I was wondering. Okay. If you do think about it in that way, if you do think about your hair and your skin in that way, like, does that affect the I, way that you I, dress? Yeah, I don't. It's funny. I was just having this conversation with uh, someone in the shop um, on Saturday and I was because they were they were basically saying, oh, you know, because I have such and such skin tone or hair color, I, I actually forget what they looked like. But they said, <laughs> you know, I can't I can't really wear blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck that. I'm like, you know, you can, I, I, I always think that that's kind of BS. Um, I mean, there are definitely certain colors that suit, you know, certain people better. Um, but I don't, I don't really think that anything should really be off limits, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, you heard I it here first. A question of how you, it's a question of how you do it. You know, it's like, you know, if you have a very pale complexion, um, and you wear a pale suit with a pale shirt and a pale tie, like that's not going to be good, but you can still wear that suit. I would just say, you know, you wear it with a, a shirt that has some contrast or, you know, the tie is a different color. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. of course it's, yeah. that, it's, it's, a, that kind it's of an thing. accent. It's a complimentary thing. Yeah. But I don't think that just because you're, you're white, you're black, you're Asian, you're redhead whatever like you know you can't wear x y or z you know yeah yeah i we, just think we... like green works for me because i have red hair and my skin is the way that it is um oh yeah totally. i guess it's You're not... right. i'm sure it does work yeah so it just totally. is a weird i don't know i just we have had some other other redheads on the show <laughs> so i i asked them as well 
Not that you were a redhead. Well, I, I we would yeah, never I suggest that you're a redhead. But I'm not a not a redhead. But you know, not we, in the redhead still, league. Can we still do the interview, or is that a is that a, <laughs> it is not a prerequisite? Not a prerequisite at all. Okay, all right. Uh, that's yeah. that's good to know. So <sighs> on the on, on the back of uh, Connor's uh, very pointy question, uh, Sean, what did you wear today? Um, I'm wearing absolutely nothing um, special or fancy. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing a nice Oxford shirt from Drake's. I'm wearing some uh, HBT pants from uh, Buck Mason, um, a pair of boots from uh, my friend's new uh, footwear brand that actually hasn't launched yet. I'm kind of like um, wear testing them. Oh, fuck yes. And, uh, yeah. What kind of shoes are they? If yeah. you don't mind me asking. What's that? Uh, what kind of shoes are they? If you don't mind me asking. Like, oh, are yeah. they, They're, are um, they... they are the, so the brand is called August special. Um, mm-hmm. it hasn't launched yet, but it's, uh, an ex Ralph Lauren guy, very good friend of mine. Who's probably the, one of the most talented, uh, menswear designers on the planet. Truly. Um, and his name is Joe, Joe Pollard and um english guy he basically is doing a a line of footwear and the ones that i'm wearing are based on a world war ii u.s navy uh pilots uh deck shoe nice yeah that's kind of at a glance you would think they were like a a desert boot or you know something in that vein it's it's that kind of a vibe like a low very low boot um but they're Hmm. great i i've yeah they're absolutely incredible i i can't say enough good about them so that's fucking awesome we look forward to to seeing them yeah yeah same same and uh, you know we'll we'll definitely like mention uh this yet to be launched brand uh as much as we can it's it's gonna be really really good stoked to see it hell yes i mean dude yeah Yeah, those alone are so comfortable they're like what's that Uh, i said those alone in whatever you're wearing today are notable because they sound magnificent yeah, 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 that's yeah. a cool no, thing. You're, you're helping your friend great. out, so yeah, yeah that's no, awesome. I, I love it. They're they're really good. Um, and I'm wearing a, I guess just to complete the outfit, I'm wearing a double RL Indigo uh, blazer and uh, a really cool '80s Ralph crocodile belt. So, so nothing, nothing right. remarkable whatsoever. Right, right, right. <laughs> just this just thing. thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's kind of like the most basic, like. I was running behind this morning, you know, it's been a fucking insane day. And I was just like, you know, there, there are days where you're on autopilot and then there are days where you're like, I'm, I'm going to really like step out. I'm going to like really, you know, put something together and let me see, let me try this. And you know, where you're like kind of like working at it. And then there are days where you're just like, yeah, like just pull that boom, 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 easy. You know? Yeah. You still outdress almost everybody, but it's not, your most effort yeah yeah understood well, something like that thank you <laughs> yeah um, yeah you, well i guess it's different in new york i mean in baltimore it's like i'm the only person wearing a tie and a jacket for miles <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's you know like it's, it's it's funny i've i've thought a lot about that um and like god new yorkers really dress you know and like yeah that's not to say that that's not to say that everyone is is dressed to the nines, but but I love that New Yorkers have a point of view. They like think about what they're wearing. 
um, you know, regardless of demographic, regardless of, you know, neighborhood, like people, people dress for other people. They dress for the street, you know? Um, They're intentional about it. Yeah, intentional. That's a great word. And I, I really don't, um, I, I don't know of another American city where, like, I, I, L.A., people don't dress like that because everyone's in their car. Um, you know, Boston, where I'm from, is a shithole. No one dresses. <laughs> it's just, you know, absolutely. Like I'll go on style, record, though. That I, say, black hole. I love Boston, but not from a stylistic standpoint. I've spent, I've spent plenty of time there. Uh, I think it's a great city. One of, one of the best. I uh, love New England. I think I've said that many, many times. And not not a sartorial destination by any stretch. Yeah, it's it's a shame too because you know Boston used to have the reputation as being um, very, like a very sober town. You know, it was right. it was like a Puritan mm-hmm. town, right? So like right. people people dressed immaculately but very conservatively, like n- not taking any risks. Right? That was yeah. kind of the the reputation of Boston. You know, fifty years ago, um, but now. It just it's just horrible. People oh. people just don't even uh, like attempt. It's just really grim. And it's it's so funny if if you you're on like, you know, let's say you you fly from New York to Boston, you know, it's a it's a 45 minute flight. And the 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 difference is so stark. As soon as you get off the plane, yeah. you're like, oh, my God, like, wow, I like I, I'm in a different world, you know? Um, it's, yeah, I, I think what I, what I, uh, the way I think of it is like New Yorkers have, they have a point of view and that's not to say that everyone is, is perfectly on point and stylish and everything's immaculate, but they're thinking about it. And to me, that's the most important thing. You know, it's not whether, it's not whether you so, you know, quote, look good or you're on trend or all the colors work or whatever, you know, you could be really badly dressed in New York, but it feels like the New Yorkers are at least making a choice. You know, they're, they're like thinking about it. They're like, no matter whether it's great or bad, it's, it's intentional. And I think that that's what I love about one of the things I love about New York. Totally. Totally. I, like, I, I spent a few years there and yeah, like you can see someone on the train that like, like you said, they're not going, they're not going all out. They're not like, Oh, I'm going out this weekend and this is what I'm wearing right now. But it, like it's just everyday shit that looks put together. Totally. Absolutely. So, speaking of Boston, yeah. Um on Jeremy Kirkland's Blamo podcast, you talked a lot about your grandfather, John Burbage, who was a That's dress correct. designer for uh Priscilla of Boston, the legendary dressmaker. So, one, what kind of things did you remember him wearing? Uh, and two, from personally, we know he did a dress, I think a wedding dress for Trisha Nixon, Richard Nixon's daughter. Did That's he right. know Nixon? Uh, no, no, that was strictly mm. business. Um, and he he actually it was cool because when he designed that dress, he actually spent um, he went to Washington for the not not to attend the wedding, but to kind of accompany the dress. And he actually slept in the sure. Lincoln bedroom um wow oh wow and um and you know spent spent like a week in the white house basically on the, the lead up to the 
the wedding, kind of putting the finishing touches on it and, you know, making sure everything fit properly and all that. So that was kind of cool. But, but yeah, in terms of, you know, for him, it was just a job, you know, he, I don't think he was a, a fan of Nixon um, any more than I am, but, but. Um, no, 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 I didn't expect he was. Yeah. I was just, I don't know. I didn't know if Nixon was like really in the shit about the dress design. Who knows? He was in most things. It seemed like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he probably was involved at all, if I had to guess. But uh, you know, I, I I would ask him, but unfortunately, he's since passed. So, um, but but yeah, that was uh, that was that. Um, but my grandfather was uh, an incredibly elegant dresser and um, was one of those people, kind of infuriatingly, who seemingly didn't really, uh, you know, spend much time talking about clothing surprisingly you know it's like he didn't you know wax philosophical about you know my favorite you know shirt has this kind of collar and it's like this and it fits like that you know he just kind of was like you know i just uh, i wear what i wear and that's that he didn't like he didn't go Mm -hmm. go nuts about it but um he was also one of those people who uh could wear kind of anything and look great you know, like he could wear, he could wear, you know, a Savile Row suit and look like a million bucks. He could wear a JC Penney suit and look like a million bucks. You know, he just like, he just had, he had such a great frame and he was such a, he just had such an elegant presence. Um, and I, I know it sounds corny, but I would say like a, a Savoy Fair. I mean, he really was just such an incredible person that um, he just looked great in everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Did, did yeah, you I like saw images? He, yeah, the the images are fucking incredible, and like you know the that attitude about uh, not really like putting a lot of effort into it seems like kind of prevalent if you work in a certain type of clothing. Like there's there's you know you put in enough effort to like look good, but if you kind of if you kind of know how to do it, you can throw a bunch of shit together like on the fly and be like, all right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, I, I also think that in his case, he was, he actually kind of thought menswear was boring, you know, for him. Um, yeah, he, he was a women's designer. And, yeah. And, and he really, um, you know, all of his interest was in uh, the designing of women's clothing. Um, and I think that and he, I'm pretty sure he even said as much to me at some point, but he, he felt like, you know, menswear was kind of like, all right, there's like a jacket, a tie, a shirt, you know, it's like, eh, you know, it, for, to him, it was, it was boring. Um, and so he, I don't think it was something that he, I mean, he loved dressing, but I don't think it was really what turned him on. I think he really, he put that, that enthusiasm and creativity into uh, women's because in addition to designing um, you know, contemporary clothing for his job in his part-time, his, his spare time, rather, he designed um, effectively original Edwardian and Victorian gowns. You know, he basically like put on the hat of like a, a designer of the 19th century and right. created Wow. These. So, yeah, I mean, so that was, in that respect, it was vintage, you know? Um, right, right, yeah. I mean, like wow. that. Yeah, that, yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> to be around this as a as a child too, and like 
obviously there's some sort of like, and we'll get into it, you know, there's some sort of innate thing in uh, appreciating vintage or like old design and stuff. And like, I feel like if, if you're at a certain point, like you, you've got that, like you've got this innate ability to, to like, kind of like your grandpa, like see the beauty in things that maybe everyone doesn't. Um, but yeah, you know, I being mean, around, like, yeah. How did, how did that affect you? Like, like how, how did being around this person that is, is doing this cool stuff that probably wasn't like super, you know, super widespread at that point. Like what did that, what did yeah, that do? I mean, I was, I was honestly very, very lucky. I, um, you know, I've, I've always said that I have, I grew up with, or, or, you know, not only grew up with, but my whole life I've had great teachers and mentors. And, um, certainly my grandfather was one of those. And, uh, you know, my whole family is some kind of creative. And so, you know, no one ever sat me down and said, you know, this is how, this is how this should be. And this is good. And this isn't, and you know, these colors go together. It was just sort of there. It was just, it was just in the air and, uh, it was, it was incredible, you know, and it's something I, I think growing up, it was just normal, but now as an adult, I'm, I'm able to look back and realize how special it was. Um, and yeah, it was just, you know, it might, and also my, my grandparents, um, cause my grandmother was also, um, uh, creative as well. She was actually a kind of in a, in a world before like, you know, baking shows and all that. She was a, a world famous, uh, cake decorator, uh, wedding, specifically wedding cakes. Um, wow. so that's kind mm. of, kind of crazy, but, um, so they lived right next door to me. And it was just part of my, you know, it was like I had four parents. So I had my, my parents and I had my grandparents. They were right next door. And, you know, I would just kind of float back and forth between the two houses. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was a really magical kind of upbringing and it exposed me to a lot of beautiful things. And I, you know, again, no one ever said, this is the thing and this is what you should do. And this is how it should be. But I just, I just kind of absorbed it all. And then I, I went down my own path. So they didn't want you to become a, didn't want you to follow the family business, like become a dressmaker. No, I mean, there, there was never any, there was never any expectation, you know, it was just do, do what you want to do. Um, I mean, I went, I, I studied film and then ended up in fashion, you know, and no one ever batted an eye. So maybe why you are successful because you did not have uh horrifying overbearing parents who wanted you to do what they wanted to do or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, totally. I, mean, I, I, again, these are, you know, as you get older, these are things that you look back to and you, you realize, um, in hindsight, you know, you realize, uh, things about your life that you weren't aware of at the time. Right. You know, cause you're, you're living it, you're doing it. And, when you look back and, you know, like for me, I think, oh my God, you know, I, I, you know, my, my parents put me through four years of film school and then I promptly graduated and said, this isn't what I want to do. And they never once ever, never questioned it, never said, you know, oh my God, I can't believe it. You know, we just, you know, oh my God, you just went to film school and now you're, now you want to go work. You want to, you know, 
you want to go work at a retail store? You know, like, um, never, never, ever. So yeah, respect to your parents. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's not like they're millionaires and you know, it, it wasn't, you know, money was no object cause that certainly wasn't the case, but, um, but it was just, uh, I guess everyone just kind of trusted my, my course. I think that's unusual, to be honest with you. Like my, at least anecdotal experience, many people's parents want them to do very specific things. Um, sure. And so like, I don't know, just a general approval is like <laughs> sort of refreshing. Uh, so I'm, ha I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I realized again in hindsight that it was probably um, a somewhat unconventional, uh, you know, upbringing. But um, here I am. Well, so I wanted to ask about the film school, if you want to talk about it, um, sure. not at length or anything. But yeah, yeah. I was just curious, like, were there films that made you want to go to film school? And then does it feel weird to be sort of working with that industry uh, at Crowley Vintage? Yeah, I mean, I grew up um, like like most of us, you know, loving the films of George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, all the, the kind of like blockbusters and, and then, you know, later in life kind of finding the more, the more um, kind of esoteric things. But I mm -hmm. was, you know, so obsessed with specifically Star Wars as a kid that I really, I, I was obsessed. And I mean, I, I couldn't think of anything that I wanted to do more than make movies. And I, I didn't know what that meant. You know, I know make movies is kind of, is a pretty mm -hmm. broad term. Does that mean you're doing the makeup? Does that mean you're behind the camera? Does that mean you're building the sets? What does that mean? Um, and I, I didn't really have, um, a direction, but I just thought this is what I want to do. I want to create these worlds. And um, I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. You know, I never really had another, I mean, again, growing up in those days, undiagnosed ADHD and being a real, just sort of magpie, you know, just finding so many different things interesting, but not really pursuing a single thing, you know? Um, sure. So I, I just, I just thought, my God, like this world, creating these fantastic worlds, it, it's so enticing. Um, and so that, that compelled me to go to film school. Um, I studied film, I studied television and I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I never ever worked in the industry. Um, but I would not trade that experience for anything. I mean, I had, such incredible teachers and I made such incredible friends and connections. And I, I learned, I learned a lot that I could apply to fashion, you know? Um, sure. And so it was, it was great. You know, it was, it wasn't like someone who says, Oh, you know, I, I struggled through four years of law school or whatever, but really what I wanted to do was cook, you know, like it wasn't right. like that, you know, I, I really, yeah. I really did. Um, uh, I loved it, but then slowly throughout my my time at school, I was like, my my interest started to shift, and by the end, I realized, you know what, I really this isn't for me. I, I hate LA. I didn't want to live in LA, which was kind of it felt like at that time was 
where all my friends were were moving to that was where you have to start you know um it's the the ladder seems so uh arduous i like can't yeah, even totally. imagine totally um, so i was, I I was just like ask, well go on yeah i'm sorry no no, no. That, that, i mean it was i pretty much finished that but i, I was just saying I, I i didn't know what exactly i wanted to do but i knew that that world was not turning me on i didn't i really didn't like la and i didn't i just i didn't have a specific path you know like most of the kids i went to school with they were like okay i want to uh i want to be a cinematographer and they dedicated themselves to that or i want to be a producer or whatever it was but they they went for that and i i didn't have again because i was such a magpie um that I just, I found it all interesting and I, I didn't have a, a specialty. Um, and that was, that was, fr you know, frustrating. Yeah. 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 I wanted to ask quickly, if you have it, what did you learn at Emerson that you're applying to fashion now? I mean, you said that in your previous answer and I'm curious. Yeah. About yeah I mean, it, you know, it taught me how to be part of a team how to you know work on something um with a group um the creative process is the creative process you know whether you're making a movie or you're designing a collection um and it was also a certain amount of kind of a discipline to the creative process that i think i i i learned at at emerson um and yeah but that's that's very real. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was that, it was that kind of um, rigor, that kind of approach of, you know, yeah, this is a creative endeavor, but there's a process, you know, it's not just yeah, like. You have to follow steps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, you can't just have a fucking idea and be like, God, because that's, I don't know. I mean, like I have done that before. Like when I was young, I just figured, I want to make these shirts. What do you mean you want to make these shirts? How are you going to right. make the shirts? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, you know, when I eventually ended up in fashion, I it felt like some of those same values could apply, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't like looking for a huge thing. I mean, I just thought. Um, yeah, totally. That, that w I was a good point i mean it is useful and the creative process requires discipline and that i think often goes unsaid totally to and, and to you know obviously no go, go ahead oh uh i i was gonna kind of like i had a similar thought to connor and i wanted to piggyback onto what he just asked but do you kind of like feel now that you're doing what you are which is like making a vintage brand and store that that kind of like sets a tone um do you feel like that has some like similarities to wanting to create like these worlds in the films you know the george lucas the star wars the stuff that you grew up on like is there some like synonymous per or uh parts of that that's why they pay you the big bucks matt Amazing. Amazing question. Really a great question. Off the brain. Uh yeah, I mean you're you're basically saying, does that that kind of notion of like world building sort of apply to what yeah. I do now? 
Yeah, essentially. Like, because it seems synonymous yeah, to mean, me. Yeah, I mean, I I would say yes in the sense that I, you know, I ended up designing for Ralph Lauren and that was, uh, you know, obviously very much a, a place where it is about, um, it's about the story. And, right. you know, there, there's a certain cohesion and a certain consistency and that is definitely something that, um, you know, in my day-to-day, uh, you know, I think about constantly. Um, and how how does this piece fit into everything else? You know, everything has to make sense. And so I'm very, I'm very, very um, calculating and very specific about the pieces that I buy and sell because to me they have to they have to be justified they have to make sense you know um yes Mm. like i i know i know plenty of people who are dealers whether it's of clothing or anything who are they're just um they'll just buy and sell anything and and frankly there's nothing wrong with that because it's probably a much better business model than what i do um you know but i I, for me, I can only, I can only be excited about the things that I believe in. Like I'm a, I'm a bad liar, you know? So (laughs) like, you know, when I, when I I respect the fuck out of that, I'm a great, yeah, Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a great bullshitter, but I'm a bad liar. And (laughs) I find that like, you know, when I like when I I started out working in the store at Ralph Lauren, and when I did, um, you know, and I'm I'm I only drank the Kool Aid so much, you know, I'm not going to lie and tell you that every single piece in that store was was incredible, um, but I would, you know, I I would I could be really a good salesman selling the things that I really love, the things that resonated with me. But if it was something that I thought was kind of a dud, you know, I man, I couldn't I couldn't pretend, you know. Yeah, you're you're speaking to me directly with this shit, Sean. God damn. Uh, yeah, I I am the exact same <laughs> yeah. way, and like I understand, you know, like you said, neither neither of the angles are bad. You can do whatever you want to do, but I can't. I, I fucking can't like get behind something that I don't personally think is rat. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, when I worked at Ralph, there were guys who were career salesmen and they were yep. real professionals and they made big, big money and they could sell ice to Eskimos. I mean, they, they were, they could sell anything. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I mm-hmm. kind of admired that, you know, I was kind of like, right. wow, you guys are like, you guys are real pros. You seen, you seen Glengarry Glen Ross? I have, yeah, a million years ago. But yeah. Oh man, watch I know, it again. I mean, we're talking about right, but that's like not the best of that, you know. <laughs> like Baldwin is in that movie, but he is not the best in that movie. The point is, it's the salespeople thing. I just think is like that's what I think of whenever I think about yeah totally yeah yeah i mean and there's a there is a a kind of person that has that skill and it is a skill to be able to just sell sell anything to anyone it's like okay today we're selling uh 
you know, vinyl siding. All right, let me tell you about this vinyl siding. You know, tomorrow. Yeah, this selling... is the best vinyl siding I ever seen in my yeah, life. Tomorrow, you know, we're selling frozen peas. I'll tell you about these frozen peas, you know. <laughs> um, and and I, I just, uh, you know, for better or worse, I, I didn't have that in me. Um, yeah. And I still don't. So that's why think... in my shop, every single piece is you know, it's, it's hand chosen and it's, um, it, I can, I can speak to it. I can talk about each piece and I can tell you, you know, why I love this thing. And this is such a great quality and check this out. Look at this detail and, uh, and, and feel, you know, I'd like to see you in the store, like at it with, cause, because what, one of the things that really stood out to me from one of the interviews that I read with you, uh, was that you said you mostly get the stuff one at a time. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I, I deal with, um, you know, my, my sourcing has changed over the years. Um, most, you know, now I really, really try to do more bulk buying whenever possible. Um, I work with a lot of private estates. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm ideally buying not one thing at a time, but but I'm also, I am buying one thing at a time. You know, it's, it's anything and everything. I always tell people I'm getting new things every single day. And whether it's one thing a day or a thousand things a day, you know, it's, it's a constant stream. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, is Matt here? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> um, you know, in your interviews over the years, you've mentioned a lot about uh, Bobby from Boston, which one of the greatest yeah. experiences of my life was going to that that store and the warehouse. Um, you know, with yeah, totally. R.I.P. Bobby, like legendary motherfucker, right? Like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we were going to ask what your, you know, if this was your uh, first real experience with vintage, but I think that that is passe at this point. Um, you've covered that, but you know. What did uh what did this experience of working with Bobby and like him teaching you his like well earned wealth of knowledge like what did that uh culminate in for you? Um, I mean, it, it, I guess it culminated in me having my own shop, or, right. or you know, ending up in fashion. I mean, I mean, Bobby was in in again referring back to the great mentors and teachers that I've had. Bobby was certainly one of them and one of the best. Um, and he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was, again, you know, I've, most of these mentors that I'm thinking of, like my grandfather, like Bobby, it was kind of through osmosis. It wasn't like a, okay, let's like sit down and I'm, today I'm going to tell you, these are the things, you know, mm -hmm. it was just through exposure. Not like that. Yeah, I mean, right? it can be. I mean, you know, when I worked at Ralph, my, you know, my 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 first boss there, who was a a serious old pro veteran of menswear, you know, he, you know, it would come sometimes like that in a in a literal sense. You know, it would be like, let me tell you about how this thing is made. You know, but but more often, like, this thing is always dog shit. You know, sure. that kind of wisdom only comes. That binary wisdom only comes sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, I just totally lost my train of thought, but, um, we're talking about Bobby and you learning stuff and not exactly learning a list of, uh, you know, 
items. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah that totally, doesn't come totally. to you as a as a as a binder. I mean, I think that the just like zooming out a little bit, I think that the 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 thing that I am the most thankful for in terms of the way that all all of this stuff came to me, the way that I learned things, um, was all very organic. And it was all completely offline. And I really, you know, it was, it was through um, face-to-face interactions. It was through whether that's face-to-face with a, another person or with a, with a thing, with an object, you know, a garment or whatever. Um, and that's really how I learned everything. Um, and, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, sure. When I worked at Ralph, you know, I had, I had people, um, guiding me and, you know, saying, you know, this, this is the best shade of Navy or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, um, but in general, it was really a, just a, a kind of an organic journey. You know I mean? That sounds really cheesy, but it was just moving, moving through life. Um, and, kind of seeing what resonates with you, you know, which things are catching your eye, which things are you gravitating towards, um, which things aren't you, you know, which things don't you like. And I think that, and this is like my old man soapbox thing, but when I, I meet so many young guys through my shop and by and large, they're really nice, but they're all kind of like clones. Like they're all kind of learning from the same sources, the same, whether it's a, an Instagram, a TikTok, a blog, whatever, mm-hmm. it's all online. And it really feels like these guys all have the, the identical inspiration and, um, you know, like, like the, the identical kind of wish list. Um, and I just, well, it's I, the hashtag menswear kind of capitalism, capitalismization of this little corner of clothing. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever thought of it in terms of the the capitalization of it, but I, I think that's pretty Which pretty I guess accurate. just is the word, capitalization. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, that's, that's totally fair. This is the point of the show, is to bring up this kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's it's something I think a lot about because... It's something that I'm constantly trying to disabuse these guys of through the shop. Um, and well, it's you so know, fucking boring, you know, it's so fucking boring and it's, it's a shame. It's very boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, it's also just so foreign to me because it's not, it's not how I got into all this. And so I'm, I'm always like kind of, baffled. I mean, you know, now, obviously, I'm, you know, horribly online, you know, for work, you know, with Instagram and everything else, you know, I spend way too much time on my phone, just like the rest of us. But, but that wasn't my, that wasn't how I got started, you know, right, right. Well, to I mean, just say something about me for a second, like, I wouldn't have been able to get into it without the internet, period, in my like suburb of DC. Uh, bear, and it is tech. It's not like a Silver Spring suburb of DC, you know. It's not that close, but uh, I wouldn't have been able to figure it out at all without the internet. 
So I just wanted to go on the record as saying uh, the internet is kind of positive. If me being involved in this scene is, can be viewed as positive. <laughs> the, the, the jury is still out yeah, on that I mean, one. I, I, yeah, right. I totally, I mean, I, I fully, fully understand. I think that, um, you know, I, and I, I also recognize that I just happen to be incredibly lucky Um Hell yeah! Because I had this string of incredible teachers that just kind of landed in my path. Um, you know, whether that was my grandfather, Bobby, um, you know, uh, my first boss, Jerry at Ralph, at Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren himself, who hired me, you know, like I, yeah. I've had really, really good teachers all along the way and they've just kind of shown up. You know, and and I realized that, you know, that that's exceptional and that um, that, you know, that everyone can't do it that way. And that um, and, that you know, the inter I'm not, I'm not like trying to make like an anti hashtag menswear anti Internet statement. But no, but no, I, no, no. But I do think that it it creates a kind of samey um, kind of persona, you know, Um well, it, it was a look, you know, uh, that like hashtag menswear look like everyone with their double monks with one of the straps undone or both of the straps undone, you know, oh, but, but I mean, that's maybe that look is gone, but we're still living with the same shit, you know, like it's the oh, same. Yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah. know, like the all, all that kind of sprezzatura horse shit, you know, like um, which, of course, the it whole idea of sprezzatura Italian influence. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no comment, but yes, agreed. Um, yeah, but and, and like, yeah, it's um some things that Connor and I talk about, and and will surely be featured on uh, later shows. Is that like a lot of mainstream shit now? It takes so much like reference from that, and it's like, yo, ten years on. The, you can go to Macy's and buy a suit that you would have seen on Tumblr in 2011. Like, yeah, oh, but it's so sure. slow. It's been so yeah, slow. It, like that, it trickle. has been slow. Like, and, <clears throat> and it's just, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things. Yeah, that totally. Has like ex expanding influence still to this day. So yeah, very yeah, uh, totally. Very I remember odd. when Nick Wooster got hired by J.C. Penny? Say that again. Do you remember when Nick Wooster got hired by JCPenney? Oh, that kind of rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was, yeah. I mean, and that was, that was kind of going to be the, the like JCPenney was going to bravely move forward <laughs> into a new world. Um, and the stuff was cool, but it was from JCPenney still. And so. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very fraught. Um <laughs> All that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it really is. Oof. And it's like, well, you want to be kind of authentic with the way that you dress, but what does that even mean? You're wearing clothes that are 50 years old. It's all, it's all kind of a mind game. Um, I wanted to ask you about this new and Lingwood uh, interview and neckwear collaboration. You said in the interview that the tie has gone from being a uniform to being a choice. And so I was wondering why, why, why is wearing a tie or getting dressed up uh, in the 2020s? How is that 
rebellious? How is that breaking the mold? I mean, it's, it's just that simple, really. I mean, it's, you know, that all of this stuff, you know, the hashtag menswear thing, um, you know, it's, it's about a generation of men who no longer have to wear a suit, a, you know, a shirt, a tie, a suit, etc., cetera, um, and yet find themselves wanting to. Um, so it's, you know, again, it's, it's that thing people talk about in retail, you know, it's not a need, it's a want. Um, right. And, and that's, that's where we are. Um, and that's, yeah. you know, like, and granted, you know, forever and ever men have had a, a mixed interest in clothing, you know, either it's just something I got to wear every day and, and I don't care. I just buy it. I wear it and that's it. Or, you know, I, I actually really enjoy it. And I, I love to, you know, peruse the, the new delivery of ties or shirts or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I think that that relationship to clothing is, is not entirely new. But now what is new is the fact that very few people still have to wear any kind of formal, you know, let's say tailored clothing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas once upon a time, that was required so it's that simple to me and that's where that's where all this all this stuff that we're talking about really comes from is is guys that are guys that want to so yeah 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 well thank you totally yeah so i'm writing that down um, (laughs) yes uh so sean you you know you're pretty well documented uh in your story about being uh, working for ralph being hired by ralph um yeah I, I would like to know because we have to mention Ralph on every single episode. What was your first experience okay. <laughs> with with uh, Polo or Ralph Lauren as a brand? You know that that's actually a great question because I, I you know I, I meet a lot of guys who grew up with Ralph Lauren. You know, like you know they had the the Ralph Lauren bedding and. They had Ralph Lauren dishes and they wore Ralph clothes and, you know, they were obsessed with it from day one. I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was, had a very kind of like mixed kind of murky relationship with clothing um, early on. And it wasn't until I was in middle a school murky. that I, that you I say a murky relationship. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't like a Ralph fanboy from the beginning. Um, in yeah, fact, I think yeah, the, yeah. the my exposure to Ralph was was the kind of you know department store Ralph. You know, it was not. I didn't. I, I didn't go to a Ralph Lauren store until I was, gosh, probably I don't know in college. Um, yeah. So you know, my for me, you know, I started out with the whole. Anglophile tailored clothing obsession, um, and then that that sort of bled into that that verged into Ralph Lauren. Um, so I was not I was not one of those guys who who grew up with it. Um, and yeah. no, and then and then once I, you know, basically kind of going back to Bobby briefly. When I when I worked at Bobby's and I was meeting designers from all over the world because they would they would come to the store they would come to Boston to shop for inspiration and it ran the gamut from 
all the kind of like, you know, traditional brands that you would assume, you know, the J. Cruz, the Ralphs, the, uh, you know, even Gap and people like that to to even more like capital F fashion people. Um, and I didn't really have a strong feeling about fashion per se. But when I met all of these designers, I I. I figured out very early on that the Ralph designers were the coolest, that they, they were the people that I really mm-hmm. vibed with. They were the people who they looked, they looked cool. You know, they dressed. That's cool. a, that's a Derek said, um, Derek said the coolest guys wear polo. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was, and, and that was to me, that was what hooked me into Ralph was the designers was, you know, working with them and, seeing that these guys really knew their stuff and they were really into it. You know, like sometimes you meet designers and they're just like ticking stuff off of a a line sheet. You know, they're just like, okay, we need, we need like three stripes for spring. Um, We need to look at some like woven patterns. Uh, We, you know what I mean? It's, it's more formulaic. Whereas the, the Ralph people, I was like, fuck, these guys are really cool. Um, and I like wanted to be friends with them and I, I became friends with them. And, and that was, and maybe I've lost the train of this question, but that, that's what <laughs> no, led no. me to back to Ralph, right. Was, you know, now I've, I left Bobby's um, because it kind of felt like I'd, I'd gone as far as I could with that. And I, I really wanted to, to break into design. And so I started working in the, the Ralph shop, and then, you know, and then I ended up meeting Ralph. Um, so, yeah, that was my, I guess that was my introduction to, to Ralph, to, oh. I mean, to, to Ralph the brand, not, not the man, but which right. then led to Ralph the man. Yeah, yeah. Something, something that will go down in the generations as legendary. What's that? Yeah. Uh, just the, this trajectory of you, like, like getting hired and meeting Ralph the man. And like that's not something that most people can say. Like as a as a Ralph head, like yeah, that's just, I mean it's that's beautiful. Yeah, totally. It's it's it was it was really wild, and it was something that I don't even think at the time that I realized how crazy it was. Because like I was working in the Boston store, um, the the Ralph store on Newbury Street in Boston, and right. I got I got mm-hmm. scouted. The, the guy who was the men's manager of the mansion in New York, he happened to be in the shop and he was kind of like doing a little like secret shopper yeah. uh, routine. Oh and, and so he like came up to me and was, you know, asking me some questions, but he didn't introduce himself. I thought he was just a customer. And then he said, well, you know what? I'm actually like, I think you would be a great fit in our flagship in New York. And I was like, Oh, cool. And I, you know, at that point <laughs> I had exactly, no, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> I had no, path i i I had already interviewed with someone at ralph in new york and it kind of went nowhere um wow and then and then this this happened i mean i I interviewed with someone in design and and then and then this happened and he was like you know you should come you know if you want come work in new york and i was like all right cool like i was like you know 20 something and i i was like okay yeah sounds good so kind of on the spur of the moment i moved to new york um started working in the the at the mansion um and then and then very quickly um i i was you know just insane luck actually i 
I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but I, sh I traded shifts with a, a friend of mine, a guy who I'm still very good friends with today. Um, and so I was covering his shift and I happened to be there one morning. It was pretty early. Um, you know, we were just kind of getting up and running and Ralph came in and he wasn't, you know, usually he's surrounded by his like, you know, his, his coterie of, of, you know, <laughs> followers and stuff. And so, uh, he was kind of on his own and we, uh, he came over to me and I was kind of like quietly shitting my pants. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and that, cause I'd never, I'd never uh, met him or seen him before. So he came right over to me and, and I was actually really, um, I was actually shocked by how comfortable I felt talking to him. He was very, and it and is very, he has a very disarming manner. He's very chill. Um, and we just had a very normal conversation, you know, we just chatted about this and that. And, and I said, you know, he said, what, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd, I'd love to work in men's design. And he said, all right, let's, let's talk about that. And, and then, you know, conversation ended, he left. And then all of a sudden the phone call started happening. Holy and, shit. You know, then it's like, yeah, and it was crazy. And then, um, it just, you know, tons of phone calls and interviews and talking to everyone in the company. Cause now it's like your Ralph's like new, right. new guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's very much that kind of a, an organization where it's like, you know, if Ralph, if Ralph, whatever Ralph says goes. So if Ralph says he met this guy and he seems cool, then, you know, let's, let's do it. Um, so that was, yeah, that was how that started. And, and it wasn't immediate. I mean, I, I, I went through a million interviews and, and then it was probably God, I don't know, probably at least three months later um that i actually ended up getting the job which was crazy and i had no idea what i was doing and i just got thrown in and uh you know i learned on the job hell yeah what did, what did you start doing wow. like as your first gig so i because basically it was like ralph ralph was like okay ralph likes you but we don't know what to do with you um right and so i ended up talking with a million different people in the company, but I, I ended up, my first job was doing uh, tie design. Okay. Yeah. Um, which turned out was actually the perfect spot for me. Um, it, you know, my, my boss was this guy named Jerry Myers. He had been in the menswear industry for, uh, I mean, since the, at least since the sixties. Um, and I mean, when I worked with him, he was in his late seventies. I mean, this guy was an absolute lunatic. He, he would commute every day, um, to midtown Manhattan from the main line of Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is not a fun every fucking commute. single. Jesus. And here's the thing. How is, long does that take? Is that like he four started hours? working at, he started hours? working at Ralph, um, at retirement age. He started at like 65 or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, he had known, he had known Ralph forever, you know, before, before Ralph was Ralph, you know, he, he right. knew Ralph for, since the sixties and, um, 
And so they basically, I think it was in the nineties, they, they brought him in as their neckwear designer because he had a lot of experience with that. He was the guy who started, um, rooster. Okay. Um, you know, you, I'm sure, you know, rooster ties. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, so that was him. So he was my first boss and he was just this incredible wealth of knowledge. He also drove me insane and I drove him insane. Um, we kind of had a very, we had a, we had a really interesting relationship because we, we had a lot in common. You know, we both were insane about the product. We loved it, but we had very different work ethics. Again, I'll mention ADHD for the 10th time. You know, I, I was always late. Um, I was always distracted. I was always floating around the office, flirting with girls or, you know, chatting with my friends who worked in other departments or whatever. And, um, and so, you know, we, we were always at, at odds with one another. He was always busting my balls. And, you know, there were more nights that I can, than I can count that I left. And I was like, God, that fucking guy, he's driving me insane. I can't believe it. You know, I want to punch him in the face. And, and then, um, but then, you know, he, he taught me so much and, you know, he, he passed away when I was working with him and I, you know, I, I, I miss him like crazy. You know I mean? He, he, yeah, Damn. we drove, we drove each other insane. Um, and you know, we, we'd fight about stuff, but, um, but like, you know, I think about it now and, um, you know, I, I, I wish, I wish he was still around. Um, totally. totally. so, so yeah, man, you, you've had such but he like, was a great teacher. Yeah. You, you've had so many teachers and mentors and like just sheer wealth of knowledge around you. Like that's fucking incredible. Uh, just like that you've experienced this and that it's led you on the path that you have gone on. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's, I, I just, I just landed in the right place at the right time. Totally. Um, totally. And that's how it goes. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it can. Um, and you know, I think that also part of working at Ralph, um, it was about, you really had to be focused on what you, uh, how do I put this? Um, you know, the, the taste level was such that you, you really had to, um, believe in your choices. You know, it was a very rigorous kind of situation. You know, it's like if, if you wore the wrong thing to the office, you would know about it. You know, like I remember one day, this will forever live in my mind. I wore a a, a beautiful Savile Row tweed jacket, probably wore it with chinos or something. And I wore a, a grenadine tie, right? Which, you know, grenadine is like the hashtag menswear, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. know, wank fest, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I, I did that and I thought, oh, this, you know, this makes sense. You know, this is a sort of like textured tie and I'm wearing it with a tweed jacket and, you know, and the colors look great together. And I walked into the office and, and Jerry just looked at me and he goes, a grenadine tie with a tweed jacket. <laughs> All right. Think again. <laughs> and, Yo, and, I, I've got to respect and I, that. I, I never. I have to respect it because. Yeah, I mean, he was right. He was yeah, totally right. And yeah. to this day, I'll, I'll never do that again. <laughs> um, but, 
but you know it was i think that something even though you know god knows all the the, the internet is nothing but trolls right you know it's nothing right, but right. people saying oh that that you know that jacket looks stupid on you and you know you shouldn't wear that kind of shoe with that kind of jacket you know i mean there's that's that's the nature of of internet culture but um but there's something really valuable about having like an old hand tell you face to face you know to say you know you really you should never wear that together like that's that's not a thing yeah. you know like not not getting it from the internet but getting it from like an actual person yeah. Well, I imagine he explained why also, right? Yeah, of course. He said, you know, he said grenadine is one of the most formal um, right. qualities yeah. of, it's like, of right. silk. You know, it's 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 a it, effectively a, a lace. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's something you wear with a, an impeccable, um, you know, a suit with a perfectly starched um, shirt. You know, it's yeah, it's right. not it's yeah. not a it's not a it's not a knit tie. You know, if you had only chosen a knit that day, yeah. Sean, you would not have gotten ridiculed. I know, but, but since you got I ridiculed, know. you learned something. But then you wouldn't be who you are today. Exactly, exactly. exactly. It's it's that yeah. kind of that kind of abuse. Maybe the man I am. Yeah, yeah, and, and somehow it's, it's so funny. I think that uh, uh, somehow, like no, it, go ahead. it coming from a source that was not the internet that was in person and was like, the fuck are you doing? Like that, that had more impact. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and I, you know, all those guys, Ralph, his brother, Jerry, my Jerry, who was Jerry Myers, I had right. two Jerry's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. their, their word was, was gospel. Um, <laughs> yes. And, you know, um, but it, it is really funny. I think for me, like in, in, years since i mean i left ralph in 2015 um but when i like when i talk to people or i listen to people talking about ralph lauren um it's so funny to hear all the misinformation that's out there like people have these ideas about the company about the brand about ralph about the origins and all this and it's just it always kind of cracks me up because i'm like this is bullshit right right Like, like it's I think that again, the internet kind of breeds this sort of like misinformation, but um, I'm always astonished at some of the stuff that I hear. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not how it works. You oh. know, like um, I think, I think I heard Derek guy on your podcast saying something about, and I can't now for the life of me, I can't remember what it was, but I was like, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> um, but anyway. Shots fired. Uh Dude, go yeah. Go back through the podcast and uh, and let us know what it is, because I'm sure Derek, being who he is, would want to go on the record and correct whatever information or misinformation he threw out there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not I'm not picking on him. I mean, it's it's uh, it's all over the of place. Course, but of I course, of course, yeah. Um, there, there's so much like there's a lot. Well, of, I will just say, you know, like, like even even the idea that that Ralph invented the wide tie, right. Right. Like that's oh, d- not true. Not not you even know. remotely um, close. Well, like the pronunciation of his last name. Say that again. Which is the pronunciation of his last name, which is deliberate, right? Like to sound more American. 
Um, well, I yeah, think... for sure. I mean, Lauren, I mean, that's just the way you pronounce that name, right? right? I mean, the whole right. Lauren No, 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 is... but see, people think Lauren, people think Lauren, like this is a brand not American. This is like a sophisticated European right. something, you know? Right. Which, which so there that, just is kind of whole, a lot of mystery. And that whole thing is another, another great, um, kind of, uh, misconception. The idea that, you know, it wasn't even Ralph that changed the name, you know, yeah, it was, brother. it was his brother, right. um, who, you know, and I heard that story a million times because I used to sit right next to Jerry Lawrence. So I, yeah. Who, you know, who I have I mean, heard from multiple heard, sources is a wonderful human or was a wonderful human being. Like I have never heard a shitty thing said about that Jer dude. About Jerry, yeah. About Jerry Lawrence? Yeah. Yeah, I mean Jerry Jerry, you know, Ralph and Jerry are kind of perfect opposites. That's um, <laughs> you know, Jerry like, you know, but in every way. I mean, like Ralph is is obviously a very slight person. He's very small. Um, he's very he's very soft spoken, you know, Ralph. Right. You know, he'd be like, well, you know, I think uh, this is a really, this is a great collection. I think you guys should be very proud of yourselves. This is very, you know, and he's very soft-spoken and, um, and very subtle. Um, whereas Jerry was always, you know, very boisterous, very charming, outgoing, backslapping, you know, much louder, um, and and bigger, you know, physically, he was he was you know he's probably around my height. I'm six two. He was, you know, he has to be at least six feet tall. Whereas Ralph is God, I don't know five, five seven. I don't know. Right, I'm just making yeah. that up. But um, but like Jerry was always charming, always fun. Um, you know, he just he just loved to walk into a room and just see what people were working on and. You know, and he, he loved he loved just being around people and being charming. And whereas Ralph, you know, Ralph was always like an indoor kid. You know, right. Ralph was right. much more methodical and inward. And and but together they were a perfect team, you know, because you had the one guy who was kind of like quietly planning and the other guy who was like out there, like slapping backs and shaking hands. <laughs> and you know, hey, how are you doing? You look beautiful. You're so gorgeous. Oh my God. You know, like that was kind <laughs> nice. of the that, the, the, the dynamic. Uh, you that's, know? that's so fucking good to hear because that, that has always seemed to me personally like what the dynamic was. So, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was just so fun to have have all those people just around, you know, to be you know, in, in a in a time before working remote was even a thing, um, to have all those bodies and all those brains in the same building on the same, essentially three floors. I mean, the men's the men's department was really all on one floor, and you know, just the the kind of the uh, the cross pollination of of like moving throughout departments. I mean, that was how I ended up getting a lot of information for whatever department I was working in at the time was just through chatting, you know, it was just right. through like walking over to someone else's desk and saying, Hey, where do you guys working on? Oh, cool. Oh, that's wow. That's cool. Look at that. Awesome. Like, and, um, and it was just, and, and there was so much talent and just so many great people. And, you know, so many of those people are lifelong friends. Um, and it's a real, you know, people joke about like the Ralph Lauren mafia and it's, it's really a thing because, you know, I still have, 
all those connections. I've gone to all those people's weddings and I've, you know, we've all done favors for each other. And, you know, it's, it really, I, I, I can't say enough good about, about that experience. I mean, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, there were, you know, there were bad days too, but, um, but it was, it was by and large, it was great until it wasn't, you know, and that's what I always say. It was, I loved it. And then after I was there for 11 years and, you know, at the end of that, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of done. I was good. Totally. Totally. Well, Sean, dude, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. We, uh, dude, we covered a lot of ground. Like that was, that was awesome. And uh, hearing, you know, hearing the exclusive about you switching shifts, that's an apocalypse does exclusive. So thank you for that. <laughs> the, 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 sorry the exclusive about oh, what about you covering the shift and then meeting ralph on the covered shift like that's serendipity like, oh yeah that, yeah you know yeah it, totally it, this heard nowhere else ladies and gentlemen um but we <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's so funny that we we didn't i realize now in hindsight we didn't even really talk about my shop yeah yeah funny. yeah this is uh it's been fun though and like i don't know i i feel like we got oh yeah totally you know, oh, i'm not i'm not complaining yeah yeah we will shout you out and uh we always like to give our our guests a chance to shout out whatever they want to so your shop will probably come up in this section okay <laughs> love it <laughs> Were you were you asking yeah, me right it, yeah, there and then it, for my shout out? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah, shout you out whatever can you shout want. Shout out whatever you want. Yeah, shout shout out to me. Yes. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. No, that, that actually can I tell you totally total non sequitur, but that reminds me of a, a moment from film school that I was just thinking about like two days ago, <laughs> which which was I remembered being in a class and the teacher. Uh, going around the room i forget what the, it might have been like a film history class or something but the teacher going around the room and saying what are your favorite films and what are the films that have really um you know made the, the most um impact on you and you know people are going around the room it's like oh you know it's martin scorsese it's uh you know david lean it's orson wells you know it's all the kind of things you might expect and there was one kid and i wish i could remember who it was one kid, they said, you know, who, who are, what are the films that have uh, really influenced you the most? And this kid said, my films. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the Kanye answer. And I was like, you piece of shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's tantamount to me giving a shout out to my own shop. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. God, there's there's so much. I've I've got so many you know, good friends in the, the menswear world that I, I love and support. Um, obviously I mentioned my friend Joe, who is just a complete polymath and genius. He's, you know, launching this incredible, um, footwear brand called, uh, August special. Um, but there are, I mean, I, I love everyone at Drake's. I mean, it's, you know, not going to be any surprises. I love Kamakura. Um, I've recently become friends with the guys at beams plus, they're amazing. I don't know if, I don't know if there's a limit on how many people I can Dude, shout out, but whatever you want to do. Yeah, there's there's some just so much great great talent out there, great product, great people. Um, yeah. And your your shop. It's a good time to be in menswear. It is a good time to be in menswear. 
Uh, and your shop, Sean, is? My shop is Crowley Vintage. Yes, Crowley Vintage. Uh, give him a follow. Great selection and uh, just all-around cool dude. Um, but historical historical tidbits, I think. Historical tidbits. That's what stands out to me is the like, oh, this is like yeah. a little, this is like a, like, you know, little historical uh, artifact, the, <laughs> which I think you is know, cool. One of, the, so. one of the biggest things that I respect about you, and I know we have a lot of mutual friends, um, is the fact that you know your fucking shit. And so thank you for coming on, Sean. Yeah, totally. I, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, and for better or worse, I was yeah, talking to my, my therapist earlier, and I was talking about how um, it, it's so difficult to extricate myself from my business. You know, when you have your own business, um, specifically when totally. that business is something that you uh, are are really passionate about. Um, you know, it's not like I have like a, a pool cleaning business or something, which, you know, right. maybe, maybe the guy who has the pool cleaning business is super right. passionate about that. I don't know. But like, I, yeah, it's, it's, it, it all just kind of blurs into one big soup, um, which, which I don't, I'm not mad about, but it means that I'm kind of working all the time, you know? Yep. Yep. I feel you a hundred percent. And well, thanks yeah, totally. for Thanks for spending this time yeah, with us. Because uh, I, I know your time is valuable. I'll, I'll let you guys go. It was great to chat. And uh, <laughs> let's do it again. Yes. Yes, we definitely will. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, I am Matt Smith at Rebels Rogues. And I'm it. Connor Fowler. <laughs> Always eager. At Connor Fowler. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank Sean, you guys. Thank you again. We'll talk soon. All right. Yes.